0: It's time to grab the bull by the horns.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is you consume this podcast. Hello uh, and welcome to Beer and Bullshit. I'm your host, Ben Johnson. I am alone. It took two whole weeks. The third episode. Before my co-host, Chris Pellerin, abandoned me. Kel Surprise. Seasons 1 and 2, you'll recall I referred to Chris as my occasional co-host. Giving him some leeway to come and go as he pleases. Thought he'd step it up for season 3, but apparently not. I added the guy to the image. For this podcast, wherever you get your podcast, his face is on there now. And the guy can't even show up 15 minutes before we're due to record. He gives me a text, not going to make it. Well, thanks, Chris. I'm sure I'm 98% sure you are at Joe Cool's and you were either at a dinner that got uh, turned into many drinks or also likely a lunch that got turned into many, many drinks Wherever you are, I hope you're having fun. Fuck you. Thank you. Happy birthday? It's coming up. Anyway, <laughs> I'm alone. It's okay. We'll get through this, listeners. First, before we get to our interview tonight, maybe some uh, housekeeping. A lot of feedback on the levels. The levels aren't good. I hear you. I don't know what I'm doing, okay? Okay. I'm, I'm looking at GarageBand right now. There's squiggly lines. There's a green line that jumps up and down. I don't know what any of this stuff is, and I'm scared. Okay? I'm going to work on it. I'm going to edit this thing together. I'm going to try to make sure everything is the same volume. I would hate to think that there's commercials blasting or it sounds like I'm whispering, but uh, I hear your feedback. I'm working on it. Uh, If anyone is a podcast producer and wants to come by the house and show me things, I will uh, provide you with a shrimp ring and some Chardonnay. It's the best I can do. Uh, Welcome your advice, podcast audio nerds. Actually, no, I don't. I'm going to be inundated with it now. Uh, If you've got a short, quick secret, I'll take it. I don't want to hear your life story. Also, while we're kind of on the subject... Getting a lot of requests for random podcast platforms. People are like, can you put it on Podcruncher? No, I'm not going to put it on Podcruncher, okay? Um, This thing is almost everywhere you can get podcasts. So just consume it where normal people consume podcasts. Almost all of you are listening on Apple Podcasts. Uh, A lot of you listen on your browser. Um, Firefox, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Podcast Addict. Stitcher, Downcast, Google Podcast, Internet Explorer, iTunes, Castbox, Podcast Republic, yada yada yada. It's everywhere, okay? If it's not on the thing you like, your thing is stupid, okay? Um, also, if you can't find it, try Beer and Bullshit, but the I is an asterisk because some of the streamers don't like the swears. Thank you. Now, before we get to this week's interview, uh, I'm chatting with um, the guys from Forked River Brewery here in London, Ontario. London's oldest craft brewery, approaching its 10-year anniversary. Um, I wanted to give a random shout-out to anyone currently working in the service industry, and here's why. I had another PTSD stress dream about being in the weeds serving tables last night i have not served a table or been behind a bar in like 17 18 years and i still have those dreams from time to time so uh, i i worked in pretty much every job you could do in a restaurant i was a dishwasher i was a line cook service bartender bartender and a uh, server and to this day i will still have stress inducing flashbacks or Dreams, uh, where it takes you, I Man, you're right back in it. There's certain smells. If you've ever worked in a restaurant, I, fucking, I can smell something, and it takes me back to a dish pit at fucking Crabby Joe's. Or there's a smell, you know, and it takes me back to Baton Rouge in the Eaton Centre. I worked there when I first moved to Toronto. Worst job I ever had. I think it's closed now, so I can say, fuck those guys. Uh, but they are, of course, not unique. Uh, they were total assholes <laughs> who understood that uh, the folks that worked there were expendable because so many young people come to Toronto and need a job and need cash and can wait tables. So they give you garbage hours. They make you do shit work. They make you buy your own uniforms. They make you tip out to management way, way more than you should just fucking awful. And so like that stress that's ingrained now in my DNA, man, I still have a dream. I'll smell like that fucking wood burning, whatever they used to do to the ribs there and i'm like i'm back there and i'm just fucking angry now don't get me wrong i think everyone should work in a restaurant in their life because a you should have some of this ingrained stress in your dna it's it's good it's valuable it's powerful but also it's pretty fun like i mean (laughs) you do make a lot of cash You're with young people there's alcohol usually when you close down the bar you go drinking and you make friends for life because it's like being in a fucking war you are in the trenches with these people. Um anyway, a quick shout out to the people who are in it now, live in it, and uh to those of you who go to restaurants, which I hope is most of you, tip big, okay? Tip big. You may have thought your service was just kind of meh. Fuck it. Twenty percent. Regardless. Worst service you've ever had. Still, twenty percent. Someone's having a really bad day. Like the fact that you're, you know, Coors Light and your pound of wings took like a little bit extra time to get to your table there's some shit going on that server just got fucking chewed out by a dickhead kitchen manager or some front of house managers grinding her for her or his tip out whatever tip big okay it's, it's no picnic um, shout out to my uh, service industry homies who are in it right now random shout out thanks to a, yet another stress dream I had last night Anyway, uh, I'll stop ranting now. Uh, this week I chatted with the guys from Forked River, as I already said. They are um, they're OGs, but they're not uh, you know they're not flashy guys. They're not big and loud. They're just they've been doing their thing for ten years, expanding slowly. They put their footprint down in London, Ontario, when there was no one else doing what they were doing, and they've slowly gotten bigger and better in my opinion they're doing a lot of good stuff to support local businesses local bands local cooks here is my interview with uh dave reed and andrew peters of forked river brewery you guys uh, get a lot of press in the free get a little action in the free press (laughs) we do
2: take well take what we can get so yeah
1: yeah my um my next door neighbor has become like I don't know. That's how I find random like beers I would never hear of because you get this thing where you're like you're the beer guy, and somewhat re- like it's not really logical, but they bring beer to me. Like, hey, you're the beer yeah. guy. I dropped a beer in your mailbox. I'm like, thank you. Like, I have lots of beer, but I appreciate it. So my, my ne- shout out to my next door neighbor Andy who uh, dropped a partner in my mailbox, and I was like, perfect. I haven't
0: <laughs> had one of these in a while. Cool. Yeah, it's same with us. We get. I mean, we have all the beer we can, you know, drink. But people bring us beer like crazy. Like our fridge at work is always filled with beer from other people. Like, so we get to taste stuff from everywhere, and we don't have to buy it. Just overflowing with stuff. It's like, what, what yeah. is this? I don't even know.
1: Yeah. How old is this? Open it up. How old is yeah. this? Yeah. Nice. Well, I mean. We could take this all the way back because I mean, I've been derelict in my London brewing duties, and I have you guys haven't been on the show, but I've, you guys have been around. I was thinking about this. You guys are like the godfathers of London craft beer yeah. now. Like, how the fuck did that happen?
2: <laughs> yeah, I had it, like 10 years just disappear.
1: Crazy, right? I know
0: right? 10 years.
1: I met you guys yeah. in 2013, and you were we were sampling beer um that you brewed in a 10 gallon pilot that was still in Dave's house before you opened your doors. Yeah, no, um, it's on a yeah, shelf in the brewery. Cool. So it's on a shelf. It's on a, a top shelf. So yeah,
2: it's not in use anymore. It doesn't, doesn't see a lot of use. So <laughs> it's a bit of a shame, and it's a bit
1: of like, yeah, that's the way it is. So what are you guys? What are you guys drinking? Like in general, I'm drinking or? right now. Nope. Right now. <laughs>
0: I'm drinking the clearest hazy wow. IPA you've ever seen, Um, but I got this, picked yeah. this up on the weekend, uh, lost in orbit from Nickelbrook, when it was going through Burlington.
1: That doesn't look right. I've had that beer before. It's not supposed to be apple yeah. juice like that.
0: Very kind. No, I think they had a sign and it said, uh, there's something wrong with this batch. It tastes great, but it's not hazy. Oh, don't worry. So I was like, well, now I have to buy it.
1: Yeah. No, imagine to. a pale ale that isn't hazy who could how yes, could you redness, I know
2: <laughs> I, I got a scratch and dent pile for uh like what fell off the shelf
1: at the brewery Amazing. After, uh, i
2: found it a simcoe's revenge
1: okay lord simcoe's yeah. revenge that's what I, I thought i had one of those in my fridge yeah. though but i, old, I didn't i couldn't
2: West
1: Coast nice or classic like the- that that's a throwback right it,
2: completely
0: yeah so that was probably what like the Third or so, sort of one-off beer the, we did. The third, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it goes, it goes pretty far back. So, mm-hmm.
1: well, I recall we were drinking a Riptide Rye <laughs> back in the day mm-hmm. because I think there, there seemed to be a time when Rye PAs were a thing, and you guys were right in the midst of that when that happened. I think Gra-
2: groundbreaking.
0: At the yeah, amber <laughs> ales, Rye PAs. I mean, come on, yeah. it's it was get any more nineteen or uh, twenty thirteen than that.
1: I mean, 2013, London, Ontario. You kind of had a good idea what the market might be uh, able to take on.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, we had the, the groundbreaking uh, railway city. I guess was the one that was leading the way, and they had their they had their beers, and seemed like they were popular. So we we kind of did. You know, we knew everyone wanted an amber ale. Everyone likes English beer, right? So was railway
1: city before you guys? Yeah, they were. <laughs> a fair, a little bit before like three years or so before i think so well now they're part of simbev you know Simbev. yeah so you guys won i don't know what that means i guess you're still independent so that's something <laughs>
2: we're independent yes.
1: yeah have you ever have has there ever been any suggestion or thought about not being independent either people coming at you or you like i mean i feel like every brewery in ontario right now would be like has days of like fuck it i'd sell tomorrow so i'm bro <laughs> You probably have had those days.
2: Yeah, there's there's always those days, and then yeah yeah go back have a beer. And you're like, yeah, this is good. So, but but yeah, there's yeah like what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like yeah. How, how many years of COVID are that happening? Like, are we even going to be open next week? Or like, right? Yeah, like that that that, that takes it out of you.
0: <laughs> so hopefully that's a long yeah. past now. I think the the age for. Uh, you know, the small breweries thinking they were going to get bought up and and everything has passed i mean now small breweries i mean there's so many little breweries now that have been sold off and for you know pennies on the dollar almost it seems the value isn't there anymore so uh i, I don't know i mean you see some of the big ones getting still snapped up obviously but yeah. but it's rare
1: well there's a lot it's definitely a buyer's market there was like four for sale the last time i went looking which is crazy
2: yeah absolutely
1: maybe maybe we should take this back a bit because there will be people that listen to this who maybe haven't heard of you guys i mean in london you guys are a big deal like you are the the london like ogs at this point but take it back to opening i mean even i've been over this with you before too but like opening a brewery in labatstown 2012 2013 uh i know that the tiny craft brewing or craft beer loving community in london was super psyched mm. um I, th- I think i read something recently that when you first opened that milos was using your coasters before you even had beer to sell him like he was just like let's go we need a london brewery yeah <laughs> I mean,
2: we, we went in to talk to milos like a year before our opening day kind of thing saying we're planning this and they're like i mean adele they're like thank God, finally, something's going to happen here, kind of thing. Right. So, I mean, how long had it been since the, at least, what, 15 years since the Glatt brothers had shut down, kind of thing? And that was the last operating craft brewery in London, kind of thing, it was like 98 when it shut down. So, like, such a gap in the market. And, and uh, I remember, you know, funny story, going into the city, going into City Hall to file, you know, the mountains of paperwork you have to file to get X, Y, and Z licenses kind of thing. And I had to get the a, a municipality to sign off on a form and they had to pull out the maps of the city and make sure that Argyle, you know, Central East London wasn't a, a dry district. Oh God. Because <laughs> they've been so long. I pull a maps out, they're like 1943 kind of thing. Like, no, oh, no, you're allowed to drink in your neighborhoods, you're okay. It's like, really, that's where we're at. <laughs>
1: yeah, that sounds you very London. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds very London. And then
2: talking to other people, they're like, "Yeah, we were um, talking like when you came in, kind of thing. Like, who the hell's opening up a craft brewery in London? Like, this is the Town. Like, well, we did it." So,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess that is the question: Who the hell would do that? Are you guys, were you guys London guys or Western guys from somewhere else? I forget. I I went to high James school really in London. Did you? What high school yeah. did you go to? Oakridge. So
2: okay. I grew up out in Delaware, but went to high school here and then moved into the city to go to western
0: when went, okay. went into
2: engineering so and then moved yeah. out of the city for work and then moved back and everything so
0: yeah andrew are you from london no steve and i were uh were transplants because of western so i okay. i got here in 91 so i feel like i'm a londoner but because yeah. i've been here for quite a while but uh no not from london originally so
1: so what was the impetus for like were you guys craft beer because it's not like you could walk around london to be inspired by like oh look at this burgeoning craft beer community because there was fuck all but like you had to have a taste of it somewhere or were you just like we make beer we homebrew there's nothing good to buy it. like
0: where did it come yeah, from Yeah, we were homebrewing and uh we got i got really interested in homebrewing and kind of got nuts about it and convinced my buddy steve to uh, start in on it and through him we met dave and then we started brewing together and this was you know we were still coming out post you know 2008 post uh uh crash and the mm-hmm. you know financial scene was not great in a lot of uh companies and our company wasn't looking that great the one date steve and i were working for uh drug development company and uh then Dave, you know, switched jobs, and and his job wasn't looking so good. We thought, why don't why don't we try this? We all love beer. Uh, we have the the skills to do this. Why not? Let's do it. And fun fact: I'd never even been to a brewery before I worked in one. <laughs> before we opened one, I'd never been to a brewery.
1: Well, there's there's no bad habits to pick up, I guess. <laughs>
0: I guess.
2: Yeah, I mean, I had like after engineering at Western, that was like 98. So there's like no craft beer. It's like Wildcat was as yeah. adventurous as people got back then. And then um, you know, after I graduated, you know, I so I ended up going over to work in England and Germany for a while and then came back. And it was just one of my designers who basically said, You like beer like that in England? I'm like, Yeah, it's pretty good. You know, it's like there's actually good beer in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, Well, I, I grew beer, so I figured why not use my engineering for good, not evil. And learn how to brew beer. And, and then that's how, you know, Andrew, Steve, and I were all members of the uh, SOBs or the Southern Ontario Brewers. And I think right. I put, I put out a call to like mule back grain from they were doing big group buys at the uh, the old Amsterdam brewery down off Lakeshore. So I think I mule back like 50 bags of grain in my Acura <laughs> um, and then divvied it up. And then it's like, you know, we should probably just brew together kind of thing. So that was yeah like 2008 2009 kind of thing
1: so i think i feel like people don't realize how i don't want to say ancestral but like interconnected the london beer scene is like you've already mentioned that when you first we're going to open a brewery you're like we talked to adil at Milosh, and adil of course was part of beer lab now with nick and like i think every brewery that's currently open in London has some connection to the SOBs of the London Brewing Guild or Miloš. Mm-hmm. Like, I think most of the breweries that are operating in London were hatched or conceived under Miloš's roof, probably, <laughs> probably yeah, over a pint of would... tank house, because that was the most interesting thing there was to drink back then. Yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah, no, I think a lot of them were. Uh, maybe all of them, except maybe the, maybe equals, but uh, everyone else. Yeah, it's all come out of, and when we started up, the homebrewing guild had just, you know, formed. Uh, so we were their location for meetings, and uh, we were so happy to do that because people have been yeah. so generous with us um, as homebrewers. So we were really happy to do that. And so it was neat to see all these guys that were brewing uh, around us then go out and, and start their own breweries.
1: Yeah, it's almost. I mean, it's crazy to think about. We are so the backyard of big beer. Like, beer's <laughs> been here forever. Their was here. Labatt was here. Like, it's. I think people underestimate how hard it was in such a conservative town that was so used to doing things a certain way with one brewery in town, like it, it's Labatt's town. Mm-hmm. Like I almost want to paint the London homebrewers guild as like the rebel alliance, but you guys are like too chill. <laughs> like there, I didn't, there's no like aggressive, like fuck them vibe. They're just like, ah, we like better beer, we're gonna go make it. It was never like, I never got the sense of you guys like, ah, whatever, Labatt does their thing, we have another thing. Like <laughs> I, did you guys ever get like? I feel like there's like I've never heard stories from you that Labatt tried to shut you down. I feel like they're kind of like, yeah, that's kind of cute. Go do your own thing. Like,
2: yeah, they've never really. I mean, we had there was one I forget. Andrew might remember who it was, but uh, somebody was playing at Bud Gardens and they requested a a keg of local beer, not Labatt's, and they uh, Bud Gardens had to send somebody in to come pick up a keg of beer and and sneak it in the back door for them and. And i then, remember there was a
1: country music guy or something yeah i like. think yeah.
2: or we got um anyways yeah Bentley that, or someone yeah. yeah i think it was yeah dirks bentley or one of those guys it's like Dirk
1: bentley okay i'm gonna play his music had to bring on the outro tonight on this nice. show so people yeah. can who <laughs> dirks because honestly keg of local beer is a pretty cool thing to put on your rider so respect to dirks bentley who i have That's no that. idea who that is okay yeah. <laughs> i'm just gonna pour another beer here I'm running low yeah, I mean, we, um, I hear a lot about, like, underhanded stuff, but I think it was almost, like, not to, like, downplay you guys, but, like, I don't think you were a threat, right? Like, I mean, the, the volume, the, there was nothing like you guys in town. It, I mean, 10 years in, they started to maybe start to feel the death by a thousand cuts, and, like, we got to do something about this craft beer scene. But I don't mm-hmm. think in London, with their massive marketing budgets and their well-established base, you guys weren't, like, a threat no certainly not i think that's it yeah
0: yeah yeah I th- and we we didn't think so i mean we wondered is this either a great idea or a terrible idea but uh we started getting just completely ignored right and then it was a couple of years in maybe we heard some stories about uh some reps saying that they couldn't have our beer on tap and yeah. if they wanted to keep their lines and some things like that it just you know third hand and and that was it really uh and ex- like you say by the time we were a threat it was you know 500 breweries are a and it's know, not just that that's why saying, yeah. yeah
2: yeah i mean i think when we were when we were starting all this too it was like well look at what was happening in ottawa i mean bose they were they were new on the scene kind of thing toronto uh ale has all these guys were opening up it's like why the fuck doesn't london have something
0: you know it's, yeah
2: our hometown it's a a beer town it's conservative but it's been a long time since there was anything really going on aside from i guess the seeps too but um you know that's so there's a huge gap there yeah i think we're opening up a a small little brewery in in an industrial park in east london kind of thing so
1: the seeps i think is one of the oldest bars i mean for sure Mm -hmm. one of the oldest bars in london i think it's the richmond tavern seeps. Mm -hmm. And solid gold for real. The strip club is one of the oldest bars in London. It's Quite <laughs> Ice! Cold! Oh! Yeah. Are you a fan of cold, crisp, crushable beers? If you listen to this show, you know I am. When I'm watching the game, literally any game, chess, kids' sports, hockey, there's only one beer that feels right to reach for, and that's Leftfield Brewery's ice cold beer. It's made with 100% Ontario ingredients, so I can say I'm supporting local businesses while I watch my kid play t-ball. Find ice cold beer at Better Beer Establishments and LCBOs across Ontario, or pick up a 4-pack or 2-4 directly from Leftfield Brewery in their bottle shop or online fan shop for the best per can price. And right now, Beer and Bullshit listeners get a free can koozie. Who doesn't love a good koozie with any fan shop order over 55 bucks add the koozie to your cart and use the promo code bullshit at checkout it must be 19 years or older while supplies last you guys never had those like stories i hear from almost every brewery where they have been like aggressively like we can't sell your beer but like you guys probably had a different vibe where it's like you walk in with a keg of beer and they don't know what to say to you like. I imagine mm-hmm. in other markets, they're like used to turning down craft brewers who can't, you know, throw them free shit. In London, when you guys were launching, they're like, you're you're what? Who are you? What is happening right now? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, was that a- was
0: definitely it. Yeah. And I was going to say, things have changed so much since then. But back then, it was, you know, local beer. You're local? What is, First, you had to educate people because they didn't mm-hmm. know what that craft beer meant and what local beer meant. Right. Um, but after that, it was, you want local beer? We're your local beer. And then local beer still meant Ottawa we're local right we're in Ontario Mm -hmm. uh, and it a few years in that stopped happening if you're not from the city used to be the region now it's if you're not from the city you're not local
1: Mm -hmm. right yeah I think that's kind of been the trend certainly in London I feel like London has got like hyper local like I mean I, I go to my closest brewery just because I'm lazy. So I go to Anderson a lot because they're maybe like, I don't know, eight minutes closer than you or something ridiculous. But like when I go to London breweries, there's definitely a vibe where like these are the people that always go here. These are the people that always buy their beer here. Like in Toronto, where there's like a plethora of riches, people just, you know, craft beer hot. But in London, you're like, this is the one I walk to. This is the one that has local music when I, when I go out. Like we have a, and it's, that's true of probably most small communities. But like, when I'm, whenever I'm in Forked River, and when I when I was in the, you know, London Brewing the other day, like, it's you can tell these are the people that go here. You know what I mean? Like this, this is your people. So you guys must know all your regulars. Like, yeah, that, that's the vibe.
2: Yeah, no, that's totally. And I think every that's kind of the in, interesting thing too is that all the local like Storm State, Anderson Co-op, us, Powerhouse. We all kind of have our different vibe, kind of thing that we all kind of think mean, we're all local London breweries, kind of thing. But yeah, it's a little bit unique and different in each location. And, and uh, you know,
0: we all even have, the beers we, we do followings,
2: and we have the cross. There's followings that go between the two, kind of bridge the worlds, kind of thing. So, Andrew, yeah, you see, cut you
0: off. I was just gonna say, even the beers we do, like you know, it was uh, one of those things where we did a lot of barrel aged and sour beers, and other people didn't, and beer lab would come up and they were doing all these crazy ipas and we weren't really doing that we're like you know they do a good job of that and that's what people are going there for so you do that it's not necessarily a, a conscious thing but you have your own preferences i guess and your own way of doing things and they they don't conflict a lot really which is kind mm-hmm. of funny
1: yeah no and i, I mean there's not much craft competition and certainly not in London like I would I would never I would never I actually kind of said something disparaging about a local craft brewery the other day to a craft brewer and they're like hey he's all right he's a good guy <laughs> I won't say who but they're like there's like you don't do that you just don't do that
0: we're it's a good community I gotta say like we've we you hardly hear anything negative from another about another brewery mm-hmm. you know from from people in the breweries so
1: yeah
2: I think we all yeah. end up helping each other out too. When somebody at White's Brewery needs something and they reach out to the other local breweries and we can, you know, what goes around comes around kind of thing. And one day you'll need a favor. It's kind of yeah. good, good beer karma kind of thing. So,
1: Yeah. I mean, I honestly hadn't really thought much about it until we're talking about it right now, but I, I feel like Lon- the people that run London's breweries are all pretty low key. Like there's no like big obnoxious personalities. There's no controversy. Like everyone's pretty chill and laid back. Like, no one would talk shit about another brewery, for example. I'm just, like, running through all you guys in my head. I'm like, there's no, like, divas. Like, it's pretty chill.
0: Yeah. And maybe some of that's coming from, like we said at the outset, that we're all kind of connected in a lot of ways, right? So, we, yeah. we know each other. We've we basically known each other since before we were making beer this way. So, the other thing I was going to say is that uh, a place like Equals, which, you know, you might think is you know, huge mega corp or whatever. And they're great guys. We help, yeah. they borrow stuff from us. We borrow stuff from them. They do favors. It's, we're, it's really, uh, it's- Well, really even in, like,
2: in my previous working engineering automotive life kind of thing, I worked, I didn't know him at the time, but the guy, he runs the packaging uh, area over at Equals. I mean, we worked in the same company together. So there's even outside of the brewing industry, there's still some connections between the between them all, which is kind of neat, so. Yeah, that big, small community kind of thing that everybody knows. You can't say anything bad because everybody knows everybody.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's crazy. I had uh, so our first guest this year was Steve Abrams at uh, Mill Street or the founder, co-founder of Mill Street. And we were talking about like, like LaBatts and like because London is so small, like I know the guy who went on to become the like the president of Mill street just because he was a life, lifer like we knew each other in our early 20s and Chris my co-host who's not going to join us because I think he's he's probably <laughs> six, 16 deep at Joe Cools right now <laughs> but anyway he played hockey with him too but London is a small town and equals yes by all accounts everyone equals is is lovely like you want to hate on like the idea of like this big contract brewing facility that's just life, you know, sometimes you need some some uh, volume to be brewed somewhere else. Sometimes you need someone else to brew for your, for a while because your equipment's down. By all accounts, they're great. And I'm actually kind of excited that they're going to take on uh, side launch beers and brew them locally, because if they if they brew that, if they keep brewing side launch wheat properly and if they bring back mountain lager, those are good additions to London's beer scene. Let's be real.
0: Yeah. I think that was a great that was a great move for them in a lot of yeah. ways, and hopefully it was a good move for a side launch because mm-hmm. I think my like side
2: launch have been kind of just
0: floundering along for how
2: long I needed somebody to kind of grab the bull by the horns and
1: well as soon work. as there's some good as, people
2: there there were some good people. And
1: yeah. as soon as they told me they had been in consultation with Michael Hancock about his recipes mm-hmm. I'm like okay you're doing it right. I'm, I'm right on board, move. count me in. Incidentally, grab the bull by the horns is the slow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I was, I was also kind of thinking about like the story of Fork River and you guys have like just kind of been slow and steady. I mean, maybe it hasn't felt this way, but your progress has seemed very systematic, almost like two engineers were running this show and thinking step by step about what's next. But you had a, a pretty small space on pacific court back in the day you still you still have that space right yeah and then you expanded to another space and then you expanded that space and then you expanded the the tap room space and now you have food is that a nutshell expansion it's a pretty good
2: nutshell expansion yeah yeah with a good fight with the alcohol gaming commission but that was a great one i love that
1: story it's so good (laughs) Can we talk about the magic hose, or is that is that still it's top there? Story? It's
2: still there. It's operational. So.
1: It's
0: still there. Yep. <laughs> still there. Amazing. <laughs> I look awesome. at it every day, and that, that air Let- molecules are passing to and from the different <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Let's
1: it's fill amazing. in people who don't know this amazing story about the bureaucracy of London, Ontario. So yeah. you guys had your original facility. You, for all intents and purposes, got a wink and a nod to go ahead and expand to another oh. part of the same
2: I fully sent in an email to them saying this is what we plan on doing we're moving retail not production to another space in the building that's you know, right same parcel of land, which is what they coined. What so it it's like happened.
1: an industrial park you guys have one unit, you were taking on another that wasn't another, it wasn't yeah, side it by side. It wasn't. Side, it wasn't by, side,
2: side. by side. Exactly. Right. So they said yeah sure just let us know when you're ready to open we'll send an inspector so all right naively proceed along kind of thing. We do everything. And, and then when we're getting close to opening, it's like, okay, let's call the inspector and in. like, whoa, <laughs> you can't, you can't do that. Like, like, no, we talked about this. Like, and then you know, the city got behind. Like it was amazing the rallying behind that. The city, the people, the customers, the, the outpouring of breweries saying that this is just total bullshit. And you, we, so like, the we, story we, was
1: you can't you can't have retail that's not attached to production.
2: Physically connected to right uh your production so i mean i even we had i forget what brewery it was they said they put a like a two inch pvc pipe between two units or whatever so the
0: airspace was connected kind of thing and that was okay i had a drink yeah. that's a joke. That, i mean i even uh, sent in pictures of Labats before they yeah. they kind of extended their retail store was a separate building from yeah. their production facility but it was okay for them
2: yeah and Malton. ours is
0: in the same building
2: the Molson Brewery up by the airport same thing yeah. like well Different they own the, they own the property you don't own the property I'm like what the fuck's the difference
0: right yeah what's the matter
2: nobody really I doubt Molson really owns that property another cork owns the
1: property So anyways I can think of so many breweries that oh. were bending, breaking that rule like I remember Duggins was a brew pub Duggins had a brew pub in Parkdale but they brew their beer at um whatchamacallit <laughs> why am i freaking cool. cool thank you yeah. jesus I'm showing my age i'm forgetting words <laughs> but yes they brewed they brewed and canned their stuff at cool so at your brew pub you could they could you could buy their packaged beer i'm like where are you packaging beer in this tiny little brew pub mm-hmm. parkville like, it's obviously coming from cool anyway nobody seemed to give a shit about that but you guys trying to do it basically oh, they, two doors over
2: they hammered it down on a cycle can't you run your pilot system which ironically it was the the system that's sitting on a rack that you were talking about earlier. I'm like, are you really gonna like, believe me when I say that 50% of what we sell at the front door came off that 50 liter system? Right. <laughs> like that, that just doesn't work. So, I mean, it, at the end of the day, like it was back and forth, back and forth. And the CRA came back and said, well, could you put a hose between the two units? I'm like, I don't want you to spend money. Don't go out of your way and do it, Michael. Like, they actually
1: thing. proposed the magic. Like, I'm like,
2: I'll do that tomorrow if that's what it'll take
1: yeah. to get
2: our excise. Because I figured at that point, we're like, can we get our excise license? Because you have your provincial licenses and your federal licenses. Um, So the CRA, we, we put a proposal to the CRA. It had to go locally. And then it took another month to go to Ottawa kind of thing to get reviewed up there. And they came back and said, yeah, if you could put a hose between the units, they would be physically connected and beer could move between the units I'm like done I'll do it tomorrow <laughs> so the guys could, yes. the CRA came in with their little flip phones because they're not allowed to have cameras and stuff and I took a few pictures took a notes and said yeah okay that then went back to Ottawa to get reviewed and, and think about
1: how much taxpayer money was oh. wasted on that waste little time
2: and meanwhile we're losing our whole like summer prime sale <laughs> yeah. opportunity time right uh, like months i think it was like nine months and a day went yep. by until we finally got approved and then we got our federal excise license to just lists those two other units uh on our license and then i you know quickly emailed that to the province to them and said well the federal government considers this one
0: brewing facility you should too yeah
1: okay whatever someone else said okay. Yeah.
0: By that time the the province had heard all this noise and the petitions and they were oh. not happy. They were they were like, look, they were calling us, look, we want to get this. We we, we want just know. want to follow the rules. We want everyone to be happy. Why is everyone upset? Let's let's work this out. So they were just waiting for something to right. yeah. to let the story work for them and they said, yeah. "Oh, oh, this works. Yeah. Okay, good. So we have a way through." Have, so you, you, have, ever run, run, have you ever
1: have you ever run anything through the hose?"
0: And look, <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> Man, that's <laughs> the point.
2: <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was like, as soon as we had that license, and it was like that afternoon, there was an inspector from the AGCO in, and boom, boom, like stamped. It's hose, done. The hose inspector ago. came in.
1: The hose well, inspector. <laughs> it's funny when those things come up, because you're, you're like doing this, this bullshit bureaucracy, but as soon as you make it a little bit public, like I remember you guys, uh, it was probably... I don't know the C- this is this is London. I don't know if we had the CBC yet because we didn't get CBC London until pretty recently, but I think maybe the free press. But like as soon as a politician gets a whiff of like small brewer, like small business beer, like I'm all over this. I'm going to go fight for these guys because I remember the politicians came out. You had your city oh, council yeah. out there. You had your MPP yeah. out there because it's like easy win. I'm going to go show my support yeah. for these these guys with beards and beer. That's a win city
2: hall okay. there. Everybody was out there. Down. Down. <laughs> it's
1: so funny. I love when we get into like the, the bureaucracy of beer. It's just so arcane. It's just ridiculous.
2: Our, like when we when we were filing all our paperwork before we started and I had to call the insurance company and we needed uh, an excise bond or I forget what it was called or whatever. The insurance company was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> like, yeah. let us we're gonna have to go look this up like they came back like yeah that's like we haven't done one of these since like 1940 or something stupid and
1: so, yeah yeah, yeah. And breweries I think they problem. have zoning issues now imagine being the first one in how uh, oh. many years yeah.
2: so so yeah i mean we we took over and we finally we were able to open up the space and just move our retail because literally our, our bottling line needed to go where a retail line retail space was which was tiny <laughs>
1: right well, magic hose. How how many years has that hose been keeping your uh, your place legal? You need to do a collab, like a commemorative brew to the, the Magic Hose IPA.
2: <laughs> magic. <laughs> just magic, it just happened. So, <laughs>
1: but yeah, and then yeah, with uh,
2: we opened up the big tap room expansion just before. I mean, we talked about it for a while, and and just
1: uh, your timing was great, right? Just, just before um, COVID, like a month yeah, before yeah. we shut everything down from COVID, so.
2: Yeah. uh, I mean, thank God we had the space because suddenly you you need to space tables out two meters and distance all this stuff. And if yeah, we could still actually get people in and maintain kind of etiquette for the time kind of thing. So yeah,
1: Yeah, it's a nice space. I think I got in a few times before shit hit the fan with COVID. Yeah, and it it seems. I mean, it seemed like it was quite busy. I don't know if it's. A case again or people trickling back in the show always turns into how are you doing post-covid so post-COVID, check, yeah. that's the, all there is to talk about
2: <laughs> yes people are coming out we have lots of events we have food now we've got nice. barbecue fried chicken so there's
1: yeah yeah you've got kyle's fried chicken is he like a tenant how does that work is he in your space or is he like a pop-up
2: well that was the last unit acquisition we've done and probably <laughs> was taking over an additional space that we were kind of quasi using right uh, so legitimize it and then yeah rent out uh space to him to run the kitchen um so it's kind of a like cohabitation kind of thing and we can rent it we rented out space to other startup kitchens and stuff uh proper heathen hot sauce operates out of the kitchen there so if we can kind of provide yeah. kind of
0: incubator space uh for yes. other small businesses too so uh you know so it, we built it, the kitchen and got installed and then kyle also has a, a lot of his equipment in there to do it but it's our kitchen and he's basically populating it
1: right okay and he does like cured meats and stuff too is that stuff happening close like that yeah. is okay
2: yeah he has his uh, the salt and swine side the charcuterie yes uh, that kind of thing and he has a little storefront uh to kind of push that out the front door as well and um, nice. so, so it's been good i mean we, we like it's you know, it's nice having the kitchen space on site from you know, just to bring people like there's now there's choice I mean, 10 years ago when we opened there was no choice there hadn't hadn't been choice of breweries in the city so uh i think you now. guys had
1: peanuts come on don't be. i think we might
2: had peanuts and uh, <laughs> chips or pretzels or something
1: so yeah. uh,
2: but uh, yeah, to have the, the space, I mean, we have a stage and music set up. So we do regular, you know, regular music. Again, all these things uh, get people to come out
1: kind of thing. So. so you guys throughout the years, there's I think we talked a bit about you've been kind of looking for maybe a better location, something with foot traffic or like you weren't sure. You seem pretty, you put down some roots in Pacific Court. Is this kind of your spot? I mean, there's a lot going on there now.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we were really close to moving on something and getting a project going and it ended up not happening. Um, by that time, we were pretty sure we were going to still keep the Pacific Court location where it was just because of everything we put into it. Um, but you know, we hadn't decided to do the tap room or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, things didn't come together uh the way we kind of were planning on them doing and we thought you know we got to make something work so that's when we went full on with the tap room and just said okay well whatever happens we have to bring people out here uh, and whatever other plans come along so we did that and thank goodness we didn't go ahead with a bigger project then because I mean it was having the tap room shut down during COVID was one thing but having an, an entirely other location shut down just at the just at the beginning i don't know if mm. we'd still be here
2: yeah i mean yeah it would have been opening up just pre-covid opening up a another production facility that is dependent on uh front you know front of house sales kind of thing tap where like basically opening up a restaurant mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean that would have been it's the restaurants are hard enough business at the best of times
1: so do you guys find that things have gotten tougher as there's been I would i mean they're not there are competition they're not competition you're friendly but i mean londoners have options now and like not a ton of people live around your space right so i mean i look at storm state i don't it's like i said it's, it's very far it's south london but i mean they've got you know south london that's kind of the local now the beer lab guys are downtown mm-hmm. do you find that things have gotten slower over the years for you guys i mean you're building up a good base but is it is it harder to get butts and seats now or yeah people kind i mean of
0: that was the whole that was the whole thing was we never i mean 2013 we had 2012 you know when we were planning this out back then it was you know we were like durham brewing company we were like we just have to make the beer and ship it places we never thought you didn't even coming, have seats right I mean, there was nothing there was, you no, sit there. we had a we had a bar so you could taste it but uh, right. I mean we didn't even know who was going to come on opening day we ended up selling out basically all our beer we had no idea it was going to be there was the demand was there you know we were telling people the demand was there but we weren't really sure and uh, we never would have I mean it's been a good place in a lot of ways a location but you know we never would have made this as a destination right if it looking at tourism and bringing people in so it was never meant for that and we knew we we didn't have the foot traffic that these other places were gonna have. So with the tap room, we needed to get it going. We needed the events, we needed food as a key part of that to, to get people to come out and stay. Cause you know, it's they have to get here and get home yeah. some way. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, there's I think there's more residential around the area than we realize than you realize than people realize but it's not foot, foot, foot traffic, but it's not yeah. exactly. It's not. There's foot. no fucking foot yeah. traffic
1: in London. Nobody walks in. Nobody was yeah. in the neighborhood. You'll drive <laughs> to, across the street. What's foot traffic? When I got here, I would bike places. I went to actually went to go meet Mike Smith, London restaurateur, old friend of my family. I went to go meet him for a beer at Toboggan when it was opening or something, and I rode my bike. And he, I think he asked me if I had a DUI, he's like, why are you biking? I'm like, I, cause that's my preferred method of transportation. It was like so weird that someone in London would ride a bike somewhere. I was like, okay, this is a little different.
2: Completely alien. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And no, I mean, transit is anyway, we could go on and on about London <laughs> transit, but we won't do that. But yeah, foot traffic. I mean, if you're not right downtown or, you know, a couple blocks from a popular Mm-hmm. suburb it, there's no foot traffic anywhere in this city so it's tough yeah so well at least now there's there's i mean you, the fact that you can eat there is definitely helpful
2: well that's it i mean it's the you need to read you're not gonna get in your car and drive for like a little like a single beer kind of thing but maybe to go out and eat or whatever and that's the same every i mean we've seen that with all the other breweries storm State now has food more certainly more frequently than they used to and Um, you know, Anderson, they put in the kitchen ahead of us kind of thing too. Mm -hmm. Powerhouse has food, obviously. So yeah, Yeah. there's there's a a reason to go out.
1: So what, what has been the most surprising change for you guys? I mean, you've been in a long time. What what, what's happened that you're like, I never would have guessed we'd be there or we'd see that.
2: Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I mean, we, we definitely like Andrew had mentioned before really pushed in a lot of the, the sour beers and the barrel age stuff, uh, which was really hot, like, you know, X years ago kind of thing. Um, just the stuff that we had tried out of, I think like the stuff from like Russian river and firestone, all that stuff that it seems like a lot of that from just the the craft beer market is completely fallen by the wayside for, <laughs> for hazy IPAs. And I mean, we um and stuff like that so just like the constant changing and now even getting into like i mean i think you no, know, there's been a big push into like just clean simple awesome loggers kind of thing which who would have thought of that if you had said to a you know crappier geek or whatever like 10 years ago that like loggers would be a big thing kind of thing like probably like look at you like you're talking crazy kind of thing so right um just the the, the pivoting and just the uh the beer taste kind of thing I think is big, so and then like the sheer number of breweries uh, in the province is, is is it's good and it's competitive. It's good, but it's just I mean probably reflective of just the amount of people in the market like, want to try stuff. So
0: anyway, yeah, it's so clearly this yeah. Is- what, what amazes me is yeah the shift in tastes and uh, that that was something that we didn't realize would go so quickly, but also like walking into the LCBO and just the number of cans there like mm. so much ontario craft product it's unbelievable i don't know how like you know we're we're happy that we have the skews we do in there i don't know how people get in and make their beer noticed anymore it yeah. blows me away
2: it, it was interesting the the pivot the 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 switch in market from bottles to cans like that seemed like that happened in like a summer kind of thing if, if not yeah, faster overnight like grocery store saying we won't take your bottles anymore because they don't fit on our shelf doesn't yeah. matter doesn't matter what's in them but we just want cans uh and i mean i was never an advocate uh of cans in the past kind of thing but i mean they definitely i mean it's a great way to package beer kind of thing but just that happened like was just like a light switch kind of thing
1: yeah i feel like maybe this is like Kind of naive, but I, I honestly think that was driven by unions that work in like the LCBO because they're easier to stack and handle and not break. Like the LCBO was like, we're going to do cans. And then everyone else just followed suit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think okay. you and I actually were both quoted in, a, in a, the same article about that when that trend started happening because it was like, oh, why are cans everywhere?
2: It just and so, like overnight. And you look yeah, at other provinces and you didn't see that switch. That's probably a good point, like with. Uh, possibly the the customers there but like you didn't see I don't think that switch happened nearly as fast in other provinces or uh, even I mean the states I think it's happened but certainly not to the to the speed that it happened in Ontario
1: yeah I I feel like that was
2: kind of timed with the whole like the suddenly being in grocery stores yeah that whole like 2015 uh, time period kind of thing so
1: I remember when no one was doing short cans and that's all I wanted to see just because they weren't out there like oh 355 it's like I need to see short cans now that I haven't seen bottles anymore I'm like oh remember a nice long neck six pack like I missed that Like, (laughs) kind of it's whatever's not around kind of like I remember getting like a naughty neighbor or some Muskoka beers in a six pack you guys did the larger format all the time but like I remember just that that long. Maybe it's like going back to high school and drinking Budweiser. But like, man, remember long neck bottles,
2: <laughs> custom bottles, kind of thing. Like Muskoka had their custom yeah. bottles, and Bose had their
0: six hundred yeah. big bottles, kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah. Mill street tank House, everything. Yeah, yeah. it was. Straight, and people were quoting us. So you, you, hey, you want to stand out? You want to have a custom bottle? Oh my god! Thank God we didn't yeah, go through yeah. that.
1: Yeah. Swing tops and different bottles and bombers. It was crazy. Yep. Uh, yeah. It may, probably makes sense to be uniform, but I mean, I kind of missed that. It was weird and wild. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't miss it. I don't miss it at all. I don't <laughs> miss anything, anything sense, about bottles. Sure. Canning sure.
2: versus bottling. And yeah, you can smash a lot of glass or you can smash a lot of cans. I know what's better.
1: <laughs> I don't think consumer yeah. demand can push this one back. I think we're stuck with cans because the retail outlets like cans and so do the breweries. That's so a you're, better. Probably, you're probably okay yeah
2: for i mean it makes a lot of sense at the time and all our,
0: i was just gonna say all our bottles are coming from europe too like they were coming from poland like trying to get bottles now is a nightmare thank god we don't have bottles on the price of bottles yeah so
1: mm. i recently received two bottles uh from parsons brewery in prince edward county and i was like oh bottle glass like it was so fancy to get a bottle again There's gonna be something special about bottles
2: we have a lot of custom bottle caps <laughs> like
1: bottle still count. hanging around oh, yeah. oh my god Thousands. Millions. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the name when your bar needs to be recovered you just put that in and pour a bunch of like Oxy. Oxy. yeah epoxy
0: yeah
1: so what's i mean you guys have been around quite a while now i mean you're down a founder we didn't even address that I mean, what what happened to steve is he in the busy on the couch no
0: <laughs> <laughs> he yeah it was around the time when we had we were planning this expansion and when that didn't go through um and it was the time that uh, cannabis was you know starting to make put in its foothold and he left to take uh, take on a job in cannabis ostensibly to take on a job doing cannabis infused beverages okay and and then was kind of quickly i think they realized his capabilities and they kind of moved him into a more uh, managerial role and he's risen really quickly through that company and is now a coo at a, another big uh, cannabis company so he's done very well for himself still friends we still text all the time Comes by for beer. If he's taking his car into uh, a yeah, Volkswagen dealership, me. he brings his laptop in to the to the work and does meetings and stuff there. So Sweet. very amicable.
1: Good. So he's bringing you guys weed, is what I'm hearing.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> cool. Um, are you guys in a beard growing contest? Because these are getting out of control. I see you guys in like online. I'm like, what's going on? This is the, might be the longest beards in Ontario craft beer. I, yeah,
2: I don't think it's, it can't be the longest, but it's, I don't know, man. I might like it's this, is like just equilibrium now between pulling it out or little fists, the kids pulling it out kind of thing, whatever. So yeah, it <laughs> doesn't really get trimmed much kind of thing, but yeah. <laughs> Andrew is pretty, imp- it's pretty impressive though. So. No,
0: know, it was just one of those things where you're like, you mean, I don't have to shave, right? Hell, why would I shave? And it's and during COVID it's like, I don't have to get a haircut i'll just won't get a haircut
1: (laughs) nice so what's what's left for you guys is there something you're like as brewery owners you've just been like we still haven't done this yet i feel like you guys have done a lot but what's what's next
0: there's always things to do there's a lot of them we just we've avoided maybe not done just because it seems like a lot of work but uh i don't know i mean it's it Again, just the last few years, it's you were just trying to stay on top of things like we, it was hard to look forward. You were just trying to, you know, look down at your feet and make sure you're standing on solid ground. Yeah, um, we're we're planning our 10th anniversary uh, party at the brewery. So that's something to look forward to.
1: When is that?
2: Early, uh, early June. So we're formal, okay. formalizing the details on that, but keep it clear. So sweet. Yeah, 10 years. It's kind of crazy that way. So
1: that's cool. That is June 2023. Yeah, that makes that makes sense.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean our first kegs rolled out in like May and then we opened up the very end of like uh, May 31st or whatever kind of thing and then the next weekend like after that we we're opening our doors to see who the hell in London wants to buy craft beer and yeah. And you know, 10, 10 years later kind of thing and uh,
1: so that's wish. Yeah, that's
2: that's coming up. Uh Yeah, I mean it'll be a uh,
1: first you think you might want to get on that planning.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm so going to guess there's going to be fried chicken involved and beer.
2: <laughs> All vegan. Yeah.
1: All vegan. Actually, yeah. I think the last time I came out, you guys were doing a collab with Great Lakes or something, and you just had like endless pepperettes, and it was amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah. Of it. yeah. course, game.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I know you're not going vegan. No. Yeah. Well, well that's i mean if anyone's listening and hasn't been out to your brewery or hasn't come to london i think june let's aim aim for june go to pacific mm-hmm. court you guys are taking over i think you should have a little tour and show people the hose frankly because that is a part of your legacy yeah,
2: <laughs> is, yeah. i hadn't really thought about it in that context
1: <laughs> i think i bring it up every time i see you because i think it's hilarious
2: still there yeah it's still there so.
1: it's still there you still got that hose because the you is going to come out right? and check for that hose <laughs> Is it still connected? Because it's on the roof. You don't know what what the weather's done to it. You may be breaking the mm. law.
2: <laughs> I'll have to get right on that next. Tomorrow. I'll stop talking about the house <laughs> now. <laughs> be in the news tomorrow. Yeah, owner falls off roof checking boat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I saw you guys have Alan Cross coming out. I mean, is he? This is a dumb question, but is he like a? Is he like a London guy? Because like I'm like, whoa, that, that impressed me. Was Alan Cross like bigger than London? I know him as like a London celebrity, but
0: maybe he's bigger. Yeah, he's big, uh, big in Ontario. Anyway, I'm not, he's obviously big enough. He still gets interviewed on the national news whenever something happens with, you know, some big rock groups or something. So well, I was impressed. I, mean, I was like, maybe I shouldn't be, but I know. Yeah. I should be. That's pretty good. You should be impressed. I, <laughs> yeah. I heard the other day they're doing a CFNY documentary. So that'll be interesting to see. Too. Cool. Nice. Yeah. You guys have been,
1: you guys have been doing a lot of cool collabs with local celebrities as of late.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I mean, we That was kind of the point, like part of the mantra, like just that, like, if we can kind of push London, you know, there's a lot of cool shit here too. So like with you know, sports and celebrities and stuff like that. And, uh, so yeah, the, the Allen thing that was kind of cool with, uh, Jason Recker doing the the artwork we had known Jason before when we were before we opened the brewery with uh, looking at branding uh, companies and stuff like that and just was always always impressed with the work he's done and now with his art studio and Andrew I think you just reached out to him or you're in passing talking to him about. um, The fact Alan Cross was coming and he's like a huge Alan Cross fan so uh, those those synergies kind of work together and just have fun with it.
1: You've done local olympians local london knights i'm pretty sure too
2: yeah dave yep. simpson
1: um you know
2: lanny marchant uh alex copach uh logan for sure yep. uh, yeah
1: musicians yeah
2: mm-hmm. musicians too so.
1: it's cool it's cool that you guys are highlighting local talent because honestly london does have cool stuff it's just so hard like to okay. get it out there like
2: nobody got- promotes it i think we really gotta like you gotta fucking <laughs> Yeah. A bit kind of thing and talk about it because you're just way too humble or
1: we've got one to. shitty paper that's not even printed in town anymore there's not a lot of people singing our praises so like yeah. it's good that you guys are still trying to do it after 10 years and honestly anyone listening to this podcast that doesn't live in london you should come in june i'll be there save me a seat by the fried chicken <laughs> <laughs> well thanks guys i don't know if there's anything else you want to chat about tonight but uh I appreciate you coming on the show. Finally, I'm sorry. It took, uh, you know, I took a two year break, but I finally had you on. That's
0: All good. Cool. We always appreciate seeing you, Ben. Mm-hmm. How, Andrew, How have your tastes changed? I know you're, you've been into the sort of the easy drinking lagers. What do you like drinking? Now?
1: I'm pretty stuck in that easy drinking mode, to be honest. Um, wintertime is, I shifted to stouts as I tend to, and then summertime we'll go back to like low ABV lagers and Pilsners, but, uh, yeah i i am easing my way I'm not easing my way back in but i find i find the west coast ipas are finding their way back in like i definitely was hardcore west coast ipas early on i mean who wasn't um i i, I don't want to shit talk new new england ipas any more than i already have on this show but i don't i don't i don't get the haze i don't like i need the bitter i i, I talked about this on the last show but like I feel like we like made you know kid versions of ipas (laughs) like what what was wrong with west coast ipas with a nice like really bitter finish i -hmm. I love that so we're kind
2: of joking about yeah making ipas bitter again or we need to start a campaign or something (laughs) i'm on
0: board (laughs) yeah yeah we just did a um uh, you could say collaboration but we did a thing with the backroads hop farm and uh used a ton of their hops in a pale ale did we call it an ipa no, it's a pale ale. Oh, it's man. a pale ale, and I was tasting it, and I was like, "Oh man, it's bitter." It's like, man, it's just like it used to be when IPAs had bitterness.
1: Yeah, no, I miss that. There's always a, I know, you know, when I when I get a hold of a good ESB, which is not like a trendy thing to love, but I fucking love a good ESB. Um, I'm missing stuff on Nitro and stuff on Cask, which for forever I was like. I don't, I don't really understand cask. I was like, it just sounds like, you know, it feels like warmish flat beer. I kind of get cask now and like it. Like that's kind of maybe i mellowed with age or something. But yeah, but no, for the most part, I'm pretty boring. Maybe <laughs> maybe that's part of being in my 40s. But like, I can't do funky shit anymore. I need a fucking Tums. Like I have half a bottle of something funky. And I'm like, oh boy, I'm going to feel that mm-hmm. tomorrow. <laughs> What about you guys? What do you think, like, th- has you found the market shifted hardcore to easy drinking or is there still a spot for your barrel-aged stuff?
0: People seem to like it. I mean, people reference it, but it's way, way less than it used to be for sure. Yeah. I mean, we exactly. we were talking with a former employee at um, Bench Brewing and just that the, their funky side just decimated, like they just have not, not so little of that anymore. And that was their big facility when they were building it. It was going to be this huge sour production facility, and now they hardly make anything.
2: Yeah, it's, it's weird, certainly it? not the the volume behind. Like, there's interest, obviously. There's <laughs> still interest, but but uh, not not the volume game kind of thing that people want. So.
1: Yeah, I wonder how much of it is like being pushed by breweries because, like, at, certainly during the pandemic, it was like volume like it's probably you probably have a better price point on easy drinking stuff than you do the barrel age stuff that takes forever
0: mm-hmm. you can get
1: it at the i mean loggers take a little longer obviously but maybe some of that push was you know driven by the producers who were just like we need to make volumes of stuff let's shut down the barrel program for a while
2: mm. yeah it's I mean, it's a labor intensive yeah. to, to be doing that monitoring everything and uh, all that process kind of thing so
1: who knows? Maybe next year it'll be all funk again. I, I probably will be. It's the way things go. Well, yeah,
0: the talk lately has all been about cutting out beer. So, yeah,
1: I'm just ignoring that. <laughs> like yeah. I can't. I already have my. Brain my I can't. I can't wrap my brain around two beers a week. I, I just can't. <laughs> I'm done for the year now. So <laughs> you're done for the year. Tonight was your night, right? Okay. <laughs> Well, have you guys dipped your toe in the non-alcoholic market? I mean, that's also seems to be if there's any trend at least in the news, then certainly that.
2: yeah, I mean that's that's a whole nother it, that's a really, I think, difficult thing to do properly. yeah, uh, and do safe, safely kind of thing. So I mean,
1: Well, I, for what it's worth, I don't know that the demand is actually there. I feel like there's a little demand for sure. And there's a bunch of breweries who are like, we got to do something to make money because it's tough right now. And this seems to be a thing. And then a bunch of marketers who are like, not alcoholic is a thing. So like, I I don't know that, I don't know that the market's there and, and you're right, I have, haven't had many that are done right. So
2: I've seen some breweries releasing them kind of thing and I'm like, I don't think I mean I could be wrong, but I don't think they have the technical capability like and and I don't mean that in any disrespectful way but it's a difficult thing to do properly and then package beer that has residual sugars in it kind of thing because you stop the fermentation. Right, Uh, or you don't have you certainly don't have a distilling license that you could be uh, stripping the alcohol out of the beer Um, so like. I mean, we'll we'll see how that plays out kind of thing so yeah like I said, it's it's not an easy thing to do and do properly and i think you're probably bang on that. a lot of the times there's overreaction to like this is going to be the next big thing and it's not
1: <laughs> yeah like look at the seltzer thing. market so the seltzer market is so oversaturated now i think oh. it's the same shit. Mm-hmm. but yeah when i want something non-alcoholic i usually i'm okay with it not tasting like beer so I, like there's two different things for me one is like beer and one is Non-alcoholic drinks, so yeah. I don't know. Well, good on you for staying out of that market. Fuck them. <laughs> I say that because my my first guest was Steve Abrams, who's launching a non-alcoholic brewery. <laughs> but no, his taste is like beer. But good on. Him.
2: Well, that's it. Like, how many of these do they, they? It's a lot of work to make them still taste good and taste like a beer kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Goes to him for doing it. Kind of and to all these guys doing it, but yeah.
1: All right, gents. Well, thank you. um Hopefully, I, I'm I'm gonna be there in June, and God, I need to get there before June. It's been too long, so I'm I'm starting to get out into the world again now that my 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 baby is two. So I, hopefully, I'll see you guys soon. Absolutely, anytime. So, yeah, right, guys, thanks for having us on. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Man. Cheers.
0: What do you want me to say?